Welcome. We're starting a brand new series uh, today, and it's going to go the next four weeks on free. And uh, you're probably wondering, how did they get the turtle to go back in the box? Well, I, I can't tell you that. That's, that's a secret. But uh, we're going to start off this series with something that, that most of us, it's pretty, pretty straightforward, you know, that when you think about this whole idea of free, and for, for, for all of us, it's important to, it's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong, right? Correct. It's, it's almost impossible, and, and it seems obvious, but, you know, when you think about this and this whole idea of being free, you know, it, it's, when you don't know what's wrong, it's impossible to solve that problem. Let me give you an example. When I was younger as a, as a young man, I didn't know much about cars, so, you know, when my car broke down and pulled off to the side of the road, you know, you, you pop the hood, right? And you, you get out of the car, and, and I would lift up the hood, and, and I'd put my hands there on the, the, the engine frame, and I would look at the motor, you know, and I'd close it back up and say, I have absolutely no idea how this thing works. It might as well have been the trunk, you know, when I was opening up. But, you know, when you think about that idea, how can you figure something out if you don't know what the problem is? And where we're going with this is, Many of you have been trying to fix you and you have no idea what the problem is. You know, and you, you've gone to a lot of trouble. You spent money on, on counselors and, and different things and you, you've gone through a lot, you've read books on it, but you still haven't, after many years, you still haven't been able to fix you. And that's what we're gonna talk about in this series is this whole idea of, of you can't fix something unless you really know what the problem is. And if you don't know what the problem is, you can't get to the solution. Right. And even if you had the solution, if you don't know what the problem is, you can't be sure that it's the solution for your problem. Follow me? Yeah. Some are confused. <laughs> but, you know, with all this, what we think about, you may have a theory of what's wrong. But in that theory, do you really know if it's the right theory? And if you're a guest here tonight, I, I'm really, really glad you're here because I think, I think tonight could be a breakthrough night and I think the next four weeks could be a breakthrough for you because it has been for a lot of people. And so what we're gonna be looking at is, you know, with this idea of I've got a problem and I can't seem to, to fix it, I can't fix me. And when you think about, there's people that they've lost jobs because they couldn't fix them. They, they lost a marriage because they couldn't fix them. They, they lost a child. They lost a relationship with a child because they couldn't fix them. And they've lost other relationships, maybe with a parent, because they couldn't fix them. And this is huge. So let me ask you this question. Have you been able to fix you? And if not, I want to invite you to think about what we're going to talk about because maybe the reason you can't solve your problem is because you don't know what's wrong. I mean, the origin of what's wrong. Obviously, you see symptoms, you see things that are going on, but you really don't know what the problem, the real problem is. So how are you going to get a solution, right? And, and I experienced this myself 
for many, many years. And it's frustrating. So the whole series, if you want to know in a nutshell what the whole series is about, it's we're going to be exploring in the book of Romans, and this is a, a, a book in the Bible, in, in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul, and we're going to look at it, and he's going to give us, the Apostle Paul is going to give us an explanation based on what's wrong, and this is a letter that he wrote to Christians in the church in Rome. And he's going to roll it out for us. Now, in this whole process, you may be saying, no, I'm not sure I buy it. That's okay. I just want to encourage you to stick around for the ride. Because during the process, you may be pushing back. You may be saying, well, you know, I'm not sure. And this whole idea of that, you may have an idea what's wrong, but you can't seem to fix your problem. And so even for some of us who are followers of Jesus, we may be finding this in our own lives still. And Paul's got some things to say. And and actually, the, the, the letter of Romans was written to not guests at church, non-followers of Jesus, but it was written to who? Followers. So obviously this affects us because if we don't understand what the real problem is, how can we as followers of Jesus get the solution for us? And so I want to invite you to to, to consider this diagnosis that Paul's going to roll out. It's not mine, but it's his. And, you know, when you think about Paul... You know, and, and, and the focus that we're going to look at today is the problem and a little bit of the solution. But the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the solution. Today, we're going to emphasize the problem. What is the real problem with us, all of us? And then he's going to roll out, Paul's going to roll out the solutions in the next, next three weeks. With this, this book that we're looking at, this letter that Paul wrote, it's called Romans, Paul describes his life, this part that we're about to read in chapter 7, he describes his life before he was a Christian. And he reveals for him what was the problem. And guess what? It's not just for him, it's for all of us. And that's how he ties it together. So you ready? And so so we can get started. We all got to get on the same page. Right, because all of us are coming from different backgrounds. But I think, I think when you see this verse, what Paul shares about his life before he was a follower of Jesus, I think you're going to nod your head and go, oh, yeah, I get that. I understand that. So you ready? Here we go. Romans 7. And for some of you, this may be review. Maybe it's going to be some new stuff. Romans 7 in verse 15 and 16. Okay, here's what it says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And so when you think about this, this, is, this whole verse that he's saying, listen, there are things that I do in my life that I don't want to do. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to live like this, but I keep on doing it, and I'm frustrated. And he says here that I agree that the law is good. Well, you may not be a practicer. You know, Paul was a guy of a religious background, and he believed very much in the Old Testament and the the Holy Scriptures, you know, passed down from the prophets. But I would say, and this was true for me, I didn't even know the Bible. 
And I could relate to this. See, because all of us, no matter what your background, your religion, you know, you may not, you may not have your own religion. It may not be the, 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 the Christian religion. And it may not be the biblical religion, but you've got something. And maybe you have no religion. You just got your own moral law. This, this could be also civil law. This could be your own conscience. See, because we don't tell people this a lot, but it's inside of us. I'm frustrated. I keep doing the same things that I don't want to do. And I want to change. But I can't. And so this is what he's describing. And here's what I know about you. You don't even do what you should do consistently. You don't even do what you should do consistently. And that's a dilemma. And this whole idea of being free, if we can't break out of certain things that we're doing and certain patterns of living, can we really say that we're free? No, we can't. So this whole series, I'm excited. I hope you're excited because we're, we're about to go on a journey that's gonna, I believe, help you understand you, what's wrong with you. Because I know there's, there's those moments where you go, what's, what's wrong with me? I mean, I can't figure me out. It keeps happening. You know, and, and maybe we've gotten counseling. Maybe we've gone to visit people. We've read books on things. We've, we've tried different things. We've asked people, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And it's still frustrating us. We can't get through it. It's almost like there's two of you. You know, there, there's the good you that you know what's right and you know what you should be doing, but then there's the, then there's the bad you and the, do, the you that, that keeps on doing the things that you don't want to do, right? I feel you. Okay, so this is what we're going to be looking at. So Paul, he was an apostle, an apostle of a follower of Jesus, and he's about to tell us what he thinks. But not just what he thinks, but why do you think we should listen to the Apostle Paul? The reason why we should listen to the Apostle Paul is because he knew on a very personal level, he knew Matthew, he knew Mark, he knew Luke. In fact, him and Luke used to hang out together. And he knew John, he knew James. And he knew a lot of followers of Jesus, men who sat at Jesus' feet listening for years to what Jesus taught about freedom, spiritual freedom, and how to change. And not only that, Paul himself succeeded at changing something so significantly. In fact, for me personally, when I look at the life of Paul and how much change went on in him, I go, wow, if the Bible's not true, I don't know what is. Because it was such a significant change. So I think we should lean in and listen to him and consider it. You don't have to buy it. In fact, through this whole series, you may argue with me in your head. In fact, you can come over after we're done and we, we can have a little discussion. I'm cool with that. You can push back. You can disagree. That's okay. But I want you to chew on it. I want you to go home today and say, hmm, what if this is true? What if this is right? And not only that, but Paul chose, God chose Paul to use him to share the significance of the resurrection like we talked about last week. 
to the Gentile world. And, and, and God used Paul to change so many people's lives in an amazing way. So I hope you're motivated. Let, let's just listen to what he says. He doesn't finish there, verse 18 and 19. He keeps on going. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I do. This I keep on doing. So you sense here the frustration. So can we all get on the same page? Can we all at least agree that we, we get this in one shape or another? And you don't even have to raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to nod your head. I just want you to inside just go, mm, I get that. Because this is what we all have in common. There's things we're doing, and we don't want to do them, right? And so this is, this is what uh, Paul is, is sharing with us. And here's the dilemma. Why don't we just do what we're supposed to do? Why don't we just do what we're supposed to do, what we want to do, what we know is right? Really? I mean, could you imagine church if we just did what we were supposed to do? I mean, it would be so much shorter, right? I mean, could you imagine you come here tonight, we sing some cool songs, and it's, it's awesome, and, and we're good, we're doing good, we, we're doing everything we're supposed to doing, and you're singing cool songs, and we go into this for about a half an hour, and then I come up and I go, stop! Everybody go home. Because we're done here. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? I know the men would love it, because it'd be short. Right? And basically, everybody would get a three-by-five card, and the three-by-five card would say this. Stop, don't, start, always. Have a good afternoon. Wouldn't that be awesome? But the truth is, that's not us. And if you're a guest here, that's not us. We need some work. And it's, it's awesome. So maybe one day. We'll, we'll be able to relate to that. But I want to ask you a question. Do we really need another self-help book? Do we really need another piece of advice? Do we really need someone to sit down with us and say, hey, don't look at that. It pollutes your mind. Really? Do we really need someone to tell us that? Because they've been telling us that, and guess what? We still keep doing it. We've read a lot of books. We've done a lot of things. We've tried to make changes, but yet we still continue to do it over and over and over again. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with us? And you know, here's a crazy thing. We can train animals. I mean, I can train my dog to do things. But I can't fix me. I can't train me. I can, I can, I can house train my dog, but I can't, I can't house train me. Not, not literally, but <laughs> figuratively. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? And so today we're going to look at this problem. We're going to look at this dilemma. 
and we're going to focus in on the problem. And I, you don't have to buy it all at once, but you, I just want you to consider it. Okay, so we got to start off, and, and, and Paul's going to reveal to us the problem and a little bit of the solution today. And then the more solutions are coming in the next three weeks. And even if you're not sure about the Bible, let me encourage you to consider this diagnosis, this alternative that we're going to be talking about. And so in looking at the book of Romans, now let me just give you a, a heads up on Romans. If you just try to dive in and read it yourself, it's not that easy. It's probably one of the more complex books in the New Testament. And the reason is, is because Paul didn't write it. He dictated it. And so he had a guy when he was, he was telling him, and he had a guy who was a scribe, and he was writing. And so you can imagine, at that time when Paul was, was dictating the letter, there was no uh, cut and paste and, and, and delete button, and there, there wasn't even whiteout. So stuff was just flowing. And so you see these, so you see these rabbit trails that, that, that Paul goes on, and he's, he's here and he's there. But thankfully, you and I have had years of scholars, years of scholars, very intelligent people who studied out the scriptures and have helped us understand what's Paul getting at. And it's amazing what comes out of the book of Romans. And so tonight we're going to weigh in. And let me just say this, because you're such an intelligent, sophisticated group of people, I believe we can do what we're going to do tonight because we're going deep. We're going to a whole other level of understanding about us. And I believe you can do this. So are you ready? Okay, so here we go. We're going to begin here in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to jump right in in verse 6. And this is what Paul is saying. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless. What do you mean by powerless, Paul? Powerless, you can't change. You can't fix you. There's a frustration. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't that awesome? But we've hit our first speed bump. This word right here, ungodly. Okay? Now, don't get offended because when you hear the word ungodly, you go, well, what are you saying? I'm, I'm, I'm a good for nothing? I'm a heathen? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dirty person? No, that's not what ungodly means. Ungodly means not godlike. And not just in Christianity, but in, in all world religions, God represents perfection. And are you perfect? Am I perfect? Nope. In fact, I am imperfect or unperfect. And so that's what, that's what ungodly means. Okay, so just so we can, you know, kind of even things out, right? Because I believe some of you think, well, yeah, I'm ungodly, but what about the rest of these people that are churchgoers? Let me just put you at ease, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to do an exercise. I want you to turn to the person, you know, next to you, but preferably someone you don't know, and I want you to look at them and tell them you're ungodly. Okay, go ahead. Just one person. You're ungodly. Okay, that's good. Hey, just one. Just one. Okay? See? We love to do that. 
All right, that's good. That's good. See, we get carried away. So, we're all even now, right? Anyone in this room, godly. And you may be here for the first time and you may think, well, that's one of the reasons why I didn't feel like I could come to church. Because all the people in church think they're godly. And I know I'm not. Hey, let me just help you out. In this church, we believe what this is saying, what the scriptures are saying, that all of us are ungodly. Okay, so we're all on the same page, right? Okay, so we continue, we move on. Verse 7, very rarely, and Paul's describing how things happen here. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Now, this is, this is, this is powerful because what, what Paul's saying here is, you know, even if you were a really, really good person, a, pers- a person worth dying for, if you're godless, if you're ungodly, Here's what he goes on to say, but God demonstrated his own love for us and that in this, while we were still sinners. Now you're calling me a sinner. Yep. That's what Paul's saying. You're not just ungodly, you're a sinner. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let me, let me, let me, Let me describe this for you. That means what he's saying here is at the exact time that Jesus was dying on the cross, there was people 40 or 50 miles away sending their brains out. Jesus was dying for them at that moment. You know how personal this is for Paul? At the moment Jesus was dying, Paul was hating, opposing Christians. And Jesus, when he realized that, it it melted his heart. Jesus died for him at that moment. Now, what's that say for you and me? What that says for you and me is, is that Jesus died for us. All the things that we've done in the past, he died for those things. All those things that, you know, you're going to do in the present, hopefully not here in church. Okay? Eyes straight ahead. But, but not only that, all the things that you're going to do in the future, Jesus died for you. This is powerful. And this would this encourage us. But let's get back to the problem. Therefore, verse 12, just as sin. Now, now before we read this, we're going to go deep, so prepare yourselves. You ready? Okay. Therefore, in verse 12, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Okay, now, this is, this is going to be something that is going to require a little stretch for you. When he's saying here, therefore, just as sin... This word right here, sin. Okay, when you think about sin, for most of us, we think of sin as a verb. Paul's using this word here, not as a verb. 
like you sinned. He's talking about sin in the form of a noun, meaning it's a state of being. It's, it's like a virus. You've got it. It's in you. It's a part of you. It's, it, 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 it's who you are. So it's not a verb. And part of our problem, if you want to just start unlocking the problem, part of our problem is we've been focusing on, focusing on sin in the verb form instead of focusing on it in the noun form. And this is huge. See, because if you want to understand, you can't focus on the the verb sin, the things that you do. You have to go further. What is it about me? What's the virus that I have that's in me that has to change in order so that I can stop sinning? So as Paul talks about just as sin, the noun, entered the world through one man. Now, When he talks about one man, who's he talking about? Now, this is deep. This is very deep. He's talking about Adam. Adam. And so, for this illustration, this is what represents Adam, this jar. And what he's saying here is through through Adam, one man came death. And in this way, death came to all people. So in looking at this, you've got to think about, okay, when there's sin, death is not very far behind. When, and, and we all understand this. When, when we do things, and maybe, maybe for some of us who've had a, a background of addiction, you know, when you do things, it affects somebody in a significant way. Because of your addiction, you've killed relationships. You've killed your finances. You've maybe killed some of your family relationships. See, and so when, when, when Paul talks about sin, he's saying this death follows right behind sin. And then he goes on to say, in this way, death came to who? All of us. What started with Adam came through all of us. Through one man, through one man. One man, this ball represents one man. All now die. Death came into all of us. And, and what he's about to talk about is it's, it's something really profound, it's really deep. And then he goes on to say, because all sin. Now, wait a minute. I wasn't born yet. I haven't sinned. What he's describing here is a state of sin, the noun sin, not the verb sin. See, because we haven't done anything yet. But you were born into the state of Adam. And what this, this, the scholars use this, this term, it's called original consequence. Meaning because of what Adam did, it affected all of us. It had a sweeping effect so that all of us now are going to die. And not only that, we're going to be prone to do this, to live this. And this this whole idea with, with sin, the state of sin, what Adam started, and you can see it, do we need to be trained in how to sin? Does anyone 
train us in how to sin? It's almost as if it comes naturally. You know, about two years old or so. You know, you you got this little baby child, and you think, oh, you're so cute, so lovely. So, you know, and 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 I remember last, yes, uh, past Sunday we had the Easter uh, uh, service. Uh, Micah Boyer was all dressed up, and he looked so cute, right? But then after a little bit of time, you go, what happened to this boy? What happened to him? This cute, loving little boy, this little sweet boy. He's not so cute anymore. He's not so... And you go, what happened to him? Paul says, I know. It's this. It's just a matter of time. Oh, and the sweet, little, lovely, little girl. She was so cute. She was so sweet. I remember her. And then what got into her? What's gotten into him? Paul says, I know. Sin. That's why none of us, we don't need a mentor when it comes to sin. You know why? As this scripture tells us, it's in us. It's our nature. Something got broken. And he's about to unleash the problem for us. The root of the problem. And so, what he's t- describing here is, is something very, very powerful. He says, in, in Adam, the first man, we were all in Adam, and because of Adam, this is where we ended up. This is, this is for example, this was me, okay, in Adam. Okay, these are my two kids, okay, in sin, in Adam. Okay, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, were, were, were you born in sin? The noun sin? Absolutely. We can even go further and say, you know, my, my wife, Laura, my wife, Laura. I'm going to set her down right here for a second. That's a touchy one. Okay. We'll keep moving. John and Nancy Mantle. John and Nancy Mantle. In sin. In Adam. In sin. Our two elders and their wives. The mosses, the new fields. Okay? Were you guys born in Adam? In sin. Mother Teresa, you know, he covered the whole gamut. And essentially what he's saying here is everybody... Everybody in the whole world, everybody in the whole world, in Adam. That's what he's saying. All people, all people, all people are in sin, in Adam, because of Adam. Now I can already feel it. Some of you are saying, well, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. Because of what Adam did, I've got to be in sin. I've got to be in this this noun version. I've got to be, this is my, because of what he did, that's not fair. Well, it's kind of like, have you ever known a child, a little baby child that suffered a disease because of the consequences of bad decisions that the parents made? You go, that's not fair. 
In fact, it's tragic. You're right, but it's true. See, it's not fair that I'm in Adam and that I have to, I have to carry around this, this nature of, of, of who I am and this struggle. You're right, it's not fair, but it's true. And let me just tell you this, life's not fair. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden ever since then. Well, I'm not sure if I believe in the Garden of Eden. That's okay. I just want you to, to, to chew on this concept for a little bit and then reflect on you. And so you're right, it's, it's, not, it's not fair. And so Paul continues. And here's what he's saying. In verse 12, he says, we, we read this, we'll keep, we'll keep moving. In verse 15, look what else he says here. And now he changes things. He goes a different direction. He says, yes, we've got this problem. We've got this dilemma. We've got this situation. But, in verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. Where did everything begin? It began with a trespass of Adam. But then there was a gift. And this gift that God gave us, something so powerful, and he goes on and says, in verse, verse 15, he says, for if the many, if all the people, if the many died by the trespass of the one man, but the gift, but how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So here's what we've got. Jesus Christ came, and I got to go ahead and say it, Laura, I love you, honey, but in sin. (laughs) But Jesus came. Jesus came, and he came to resolve this. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, if by one man... He could set everybody on this, this destination, this, this, this trail, by one man. Then this gift comes along, and it's even greater. What Paul's saying here, it's even greater than the trespass. This is huge what Jesus did. If, if, if one thing caused this, this one thing that Jesus did, what what Adam did was wrong, it was terrible, but what Jesus did is so much greater, so much more powerful than what Adam did. In fact, you and I can cross over from here to here and be in Christ. And that's what Paul's gonna roll out for us and our hope is in this, in, this, in this whole series is that many of you, many of you, if not already, can move over here and be in Christ. See, because this is greater than this. And we can overcome this, the noun, the power, here. And so let's talk about what it means here. What's this, what's this about being in Christ, through Christ? Let's go into this a little bit more. And so Paul's going to reveal it for us. 
Verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. In fact, you can't compare these two. They're not comparable. This is so much bigger, so much greater. The judgment followed the one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses, not just one. Jesus covers all trespasses. And that's what's so significant. And he brought, this is a power word here, and you find it in the book of Romans a lot, that last word. What is it? Justification. Jesus justified us. Wait a minute, I don't deserve it. That's okay. It's not about deserving. He justifies you, me. This defines us. Or does this define us? And that's what Jesus wanted to do for us. We keep on reading. In verse 17, For if the, by the trespass of one man death reigned that one, that, through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Now, We've got we've to open things up here a little bit because what he's saying here is this isn't just because sometimes in the Christian mentality it's about, well, I, I know I'm not going to end up like Adam. I'm going to go to heaven. No, no, that's not what he's talking about here. And this is where it hits home for us. It's not just about the next life. It's about this life. And see, many of us don't understand what it means to be in Christ from a power standpoint. Because as I was going through the beginning, and let me, let me speak to our members here a little bit, you, you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, when I was talking about doing the things that you don't want to do and, and I wish I could do the good things and I keep on doing the bad things, you know why that is? Because you really don't understand what this is. Because look what Paul's saying here at the end of the verse. He's saying it here. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign? When? In life. Which life? This life. This life. Right now. Now let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you're reigning? Are you free? And this is why I believe for, you know, those of you who are guests here tonight, I think this series is going to help you. But guess what? I believe, brothers and sisters, members of our church, this is going to help you. Because too many of us have this idea that, well, Jesus died for me, so I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I'm going to do whatever he wants. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. See, because you can't do it on your own strength. You can't do it. And that's why some of us are frustrated. That's why some of us in the church are struggling with a lot of the same things. Yeah, we changed a lot of stuff in the beginning. When we crossed over, there were a lot of changes. But what about now? Are the changes still happening? Are you still growing? Is the transformation still happening? If not, then let's get to understanding more about what this is. 
the power made available to us. And that's what Paul's going to roll out in the next few weeks. In verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, meaning the whole world, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. See, what Jesus did has the potential to save all people, everybody. But understand this, it has to be a voluntary decision made by the individual, I want to be here rather than here. And many of us know where we are, but you've got to make a personal decision to be here and to cross over. And we're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks, how to get here and then what it means to live here. And we, we're going to wrap it up here in verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Once again, Paul is saying, What Jesus did for us is so significant. It's huge. It's a game changer for us. Because we're not defined by this. We're going to be defined by him. And as we've talked about in past weeks, how you look at yourself, how you think about yourself is so important. It's real easy for us to point our finger. Did you know how how much you enjoyed going around saying, you're ungodly, you're ungodly, It was almost like, whoa, you love that. Why do you love that so much? Because that's how you see yourself, and it gives you a lot of satisfaction to go around and say, you're ungodly. So am I, but so are you. Well, so are you. And God's trying to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to take on a new identity here. I want to see you differently. And many will be made righteous. And my hope is is that all of us will understand what it means to be made righteous and that all of us will take on this new identity that God gives us. So let's, let's wrap this up. The chapters to follow will help us understand how to overcome. How to overcome our struggle, our challenges that we will have the power to say, I'm not going to continue to do those things that are dogging me. And if you're a guest here today, I I believe you can tap into something that you've never even imagined possible by the people that surround you in your life. And that's what God wants to show us. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Remember there towards the end, the fairy told her, he said, Look on your feet. She looks down and there's the, the red slippers. She says, do you realize how powerful those red slippers are? Those slippers can take you home. See, she didn't realize she had them all the time. She didn't realize the power that she had. Or maybe for the guys, you know, it's like Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. You know, in the beginning of the movie, you say it's the ring, the Lord of the, Lord of the ring, and, 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 and you see this ring and you go, but as the movie goes along, Frodo comes to the understanding, wow, this ring has tremendous power. 
Or for more the, 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 the hardcore ladies, you know, you know maybe, it's like, maybe it's like Elizabeth Swan and, and the Pirates of the Caribbean. And what did she have? She had a medallion, a gold medallion. And you thought, well, it's just a medallion. No, but as the movie plays out, tremendous power in that medallion. There's tremendous power here. And you have it. We have it. Are you tapping into it? Are you crossing over? And my hope is in these next four weeks that you'll be able to. And that you'll be able to cross over, not here, but really here to be free, to be set free. Jesus died so that we won't continue to be in slavery, but so that we could be set free. Now, do you want to be free? I want to be free. Hey, I got to admit, I've been set free from a lot of stuff in my past, but I'm not done yet. I want more freedom, and God wants to give it to us. So I hope that in the coming weeks, you can take good notes. This is going to be online. Some of the stuff you may have to listen to again, you know, go over it again so you really get it, so you understand it. It's going to be online. If you have a friend that would like to hear this, send them in in their direction to the website. They can listen to this lesson that can really help them understand. What's the problem? You want to know what the problem is? You have this problem. And you have this noun. You have this virus in your life. You were born with it. It's not a question of fair. It's a question of this is what's causing your sin verb. It's the noun that's causing that. So to wrap things up, right now we're going to pray for the communion. And as we take the communion, I I want to remind you of what the price was to be here. And as Paul had to visualize at the very moment that I was in my worst sin imaginable, and probably for him, he was standing there giving his approval as they murdered one of the seven deacons of the first church Stephen and he looked at his eyes and as Stephen blurted out those words forgive them father for they know not what they do and Paul looked at him in the eye with such hatred and such animosity and when he came to understand this he realized at that moment when I was so dark murderous at that moment Jesus died for me what's your moment What's your moment that you're most ashamed of? At that moment, Jesus died for you. Let's pray for the communion. Holy Father in heaven, we're so, so, so grateful for what you've done for us. God, we want to be free, and we thank you for the price that you paid to come down here on earth, to walk among us, and to be treated so terribly. God, to to bleed for us, to be beaten and broken, and then hung on a cross, a very cruel punishment. God, we thank you for the gift that Jesus brought us. Thank you for his body and his blood, and right now we remember him, we lift him up, and for all those things that we've done this week, for how we've been living. Please forgive us, God, and help us to start over 
so that we can understand what it means to live in Christ. We love you, God. Thank you again for Jesus, and we remember him at this time. We lift him up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.